once I was in that role and being a stay-at-home dad and I got kind of comfortable and I'm like, man, this is fine. And my <laughs> wife is like, all right, so uh, what, what's your five-year plan? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, whatever God has for us, right? Try to like take the cheap route. <laughs> she doesn't want to hear that. Nah, she was like, peep this. We're laying in the bed, right? Just imagine it's 11 o'clock at night, laying in the bed and she's like, I trust you with my family and my future and you ain't got five years planned out. Mm-hmm. And rolled over and went to sleep. Same business, different day. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Same Business, Different Day podcast. My trusty co-host wears many hats, as does our guest today. She's an event planner, a horse trainer, and works at one of the most beautiful wineries you'll ever visit. Alyssa, how are you doing today? I'm having a great day, Zeke. Glad to be here. Good. Um, Today's guest is special. Uh, A man that is living out loud. So much of what he does reminds me of the Same Business, Different Day state of mind. And maybe I even see some of myself in him. We'd all be fortunate to see ourselves in him, especially us fathers. Hint, hint. Truth be told, I've spent hours, days, and months in the same building with this man, and today will be the most words exchanged between us. It's only because we're both so busy. A head nod and a peace sign between two brothers will suffice when it's clear that there is mutual respect. That said, if we're lucky, Maybe he'll let our listeners in on at least a couple of the endeavors that have him so busy lately. I know a few of them, but I'll let him break the news to you. I'm glad to have the honor to introduce the same business, different day audience to a king in his own right. My man, Glenn Henry, a.k.a. Belief Mail. Yo, (laughs) what's up, guys? Thank you guys so much for having me. Um, it's very poetic and it's very true. That's all we exchange is what's up, peace. Yeah. Keep it moving, you know. Yeah. Um, but but you're a busy man, man. And congratulations on your success. That hard work is paying off and I, I'm really happy for you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I appreciate that, man. You yeah. Know, just taking it one day at a time. That's right. Mm-hmm. Alyssa, you want to tell them the rules of the game? I do. So this is Same Business, Different Day. We talk about your business, what you do, but we're not going to get right into it. First, we're going to talk about you, who you are, where you came from, what influenced you, because mm-hmm. I want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at some point, we'll reveal what you do and get talking about that. Okay, cool. Where'd you grow up? Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so the Baltimore County. So I'm from uh, a town called Randallstown. Okay. And uh, that is like, you know, straight shot from the city. Okay. Yeah. My brother went to Morgan State. Okay, yeah. We know Morgan. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you remember, I mean, early memories, uh, do you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up? Oh, man. Um, I was a very lazy, unambitious child. Okay. I loved TV. Okay. So I would spend a lot of my time, like, watching TV and, like, dreaming of, like, having, like, movie ideas. Yeah. And, um, but, you know, I didn't know any black directors. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? Like, I didn't even know Spike Lee was black. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, but, like... You know, spent a lot of time like, you know, playing with toys, Ninja Turtles, big fan and singing in the mirror type stuff. You know what I'm saying? Um, didn't really know that all that stuff would actually be like foreshadowing what I'd become, uh-huh. you know. Um, 
but my mom would always ask me and I, I'd kind of let her finish the sentence. You want to be a doctor or a lawyer? Yeah, 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 yeah. whatever. <laughs> Just leave me alone. Stop asking me questions. You don't understand. Um, so I don't, I didn't really have a lot of, um, I didn't know the possibilities. Yeah. You know? I, I was kind of the same way. But when I was growing up, I, I always told everybody I wanted to be a doctor, but you know, I wasn't really much into science, math, any of that. But yeah, I want mm-hmm. to be a doctor. It, they were so excited, you yeah. know? Yeah, he's going to be a doctor. Yeah. But I believe my daughter when she tells me she's going to be a veterinarian. Yeah. It's so much, so much different there, you know, but I don't, I don't know if I was unambitious. I, and I don't know if you were either. I don't know. I mean, that's tough to well, say. That's, about a that's the crazy thing is that I don't, I don't necessarily remember anything I was extremely skilled in. I just sure. knew that from where I came from, like it was very much get your head out of the clouds and make sure you get like a job, mm-hmm. like something that you could fall back on, like have a, a, a backup plan, yeah. a, a, a career or a skill, a trade. Mm-hmm. Like that was very important. You're going to cut hair. You're going to be a plumber. Like once I started like failing math and science, mm. they were like, well, you're going to have to figure out something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, cause you ain't the brightest one out here. You know what I mean? You got to figure out electrician, like what you going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, like it just, it, it was very grim. You know what I mean? But uh, Baltimore is just like that. You know what I'm That's saying? That's what I've heard. I've never yeah. been. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like that. Like, you know, you just got to stay out of trouble. When you ask someone how they doing, they say, staying out of trouble. I'm trying to, you know, keep my head down. Like, it's about not getting in trouble, mm-hmm. you know. Did you stay out of trouble? Um, yeah, for the most part. Yeah. I stayed out of trouble. Um, I moved to California, uh, like, like as in middle school, moved back to Baltimore, and then I eventually st- moved to California to live in, when I was, like, 20. Okay. Um, so 2005, I moved. And um, there, like I was, before that year, I was suicidal. Okay. So that's where um, my dad, um, I had called my dad because I was like planning my suicide or whatever. And then I called my father to say bye. And then it's like the first time I ever heard him cry. You know what I'm saying? He was like, man, come out to California, sleep on my floor, start over. Yes, sir. Go to school. You can do whatever you want. Just come out here. So he kind of gave me the second chance. Um, Yeah. And and that's also, I mean, and that must have brought on a lot too for you know being on this coast, right? Changing the whole scenery and everything. I mean, I'm California born and raised, mm-hmm. so uh, with me, I, I lived in, I was raised in Northern California, mm-hmm. right? I'm, so being in the Bay Area is a lot different than Southern California, but yet and still, coming all the way from the East Coast to the West Coast, that did that change really brighten things up for you? Yeah, definitely, because it was like you know Baltimore is like. It's just a whole different thing. You know what I'm saying? So when you come you out say here, it a lot without saying a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's a lot of segregation. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Or at least when I was growing up, it was uh-huh. um, like, we didn't hang around with people that didn't look like us. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like everything was about like, um, like very primitive. Like I'm trying to bag a shorty. Sure. I'm trying to smash like everything sounded violent. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Eat um, music, sex. Right, right, right. So like when I came out to California, it was like I got a chance to like kind of unplug and create who I wanted to be kind of like I didn't have to like assimilate to the culture that wouldn't get me picked on type thing. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. it's like that masculine like um uh, like that toxic masculinity. Like I sure. grew up in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I know for a fact it's real. So people are like, ah, oh, that's not, not <laughs> no, 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 no. That thing is real. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Because in order to 
like pursue a woman or get a girl, you have to act like the guys who get the girls, mm-hmm. which is violent. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's almost like this aggressive, like, and I was never really like that, but I, I ended up being becoming that because of issues I had with my mom and like, you know, just learning how to be a man, like from pe- like children, basically people who were a year and a half older than me. We well, have to develop the ability to cultivate relationships then just in general, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Healthy relationships. Yeah, well, I came out here as soon as I got out here. Like, I was like, man, where are the girls at? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I'm in Walmart. <laughs> That's where you off, get girls? <laughs> off of Nordall. I ain't know. Like, I ain't know where anybody was. Like, so. I'll five. You know. You know? I, I got I had no idea. I just like, yo. Because uh, mind you, I'm in Escondido. Okay. With my dad. Okay. Okay. I ain't got no transportation. Mm-hmm. I knew that it was a Walmart. So, you know, cause I'm living off a of ninth Avenue. Right. So you mm-hmm. got like a target over there. You got the men's warehouse. Anyway, I, I like, you know what I'm saying? I went to target. I was like, it's not popping. So I was like, Walmart, <laughs> 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 the people of Walmart, you know what I'm saying? A little bit more down to earth. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So okay. I went there and I was like, yo, where are all the black people at? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're like, I don't know. So um, I basically had to kind of like, um, you know, I had a friend that I knew in middle school who would take me to church every weekend. Um, and I wasn't interested, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But there was girls there. So I was like, take me to church. Okay. okay. You know what I mean? So, you know, you end up going to church long enough. You meet some cool people, you know what I mean? So I met some people who, um, you know, had an interest in music and, you know, different type of things. And it was kind of like, I found like a little, you know, kind of like a crew of people who were like willing to kind of adopt me as, as a friend. You know what I mean? Beautiful. And um, that's kind of where the the shell started to unravel. And I realized I could be more than this um, presentation of toughness that I've learned for so long. Mm. Did you, at a younger age, have mentors in Baltimore or even once you moved to California, someone that you thought, I want to be like that person or they taught right. you something? So my dad was, um, I had joint custody. My, they had joint custody. So I would come to California in the summertime and Baltimore all throughout the school year. And um, I used to get real irritated because like I knew my dad was valuable, but I don't think he knew how valuable he was to me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, like, you know, he met a, met his wife, moved to California and did his thing. You know what I'm saying? I never hated him for that. Um, but I had like uncles and like the people that were most influential to me were like a year older than me. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So older cousins, maybe a couple years older than me, an uncle here and there. There was one guy named Mr. Hill. He was my best friend's father. And he was like the corniest dude ever. Right. Mm-hmm. He was a substitute teacher, barely making ends meet. Preacher. He had like nine people in his congregation. Um, but he was always a present dad. Right. So he'd always sound like be a like, consistent person. I mean, man, he was yeah. all he was the only like it was the like in our whole apartment complex. He was the only like husband, wife. Okay. Children. Okay. Everybody else was single mom, single dad, or grandparents and children. Mm. So it was like, he would be like, mm. I'll come downstairs, you know, because we're in the same apartment building. They'd be fighting tidy whities like just wrestling. <laughs> and I'd just be sitting there like, man, this is so cool. <laughs> Everybody's ashy and no one cares. You <laughs> right, know what I'm saying? Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but that was like kind of like the person I was just like, man, one day, like, I'm going to be a dad and it won't, it won't, like, I'm going to be better. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'll be a dad one day. Um, and that was kind of like hopeful. But then like when you grow up in your adolescence, right, when your homie gets a girl pregnant at 18 or 15, you're like, 
man, I'm so sorry to hear that, man. Like, it's like a death sentence. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like your life is over now that you're about to have a kid. So I went to, from like wanting to be a father to like thinking that fatherhood and children, like this mishap or this curse that was put on men. So um, it was like a lot of relearning when I came out here. And then I met who is now the pastor of our church, um, Pat Lynch, who, you know, at the time had five daughters. Now he has seven daughters. Um, but he, I actually saw him be a dad and was like, oh, that's actually fly. It's a good thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I realized the power of proof. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, when you see something. You can believe it. Yeah, you can believe it. Yeah. So it wasn't the fact that I, I didn't have, like, mentors or example. I just didn't have enough proof. You know what I mean? The San Diego craft beer industry has proven to be incredibly resilient. Regardless of tier, they're following all guidelines to ensure the safety of their loyal customers and staff. They want you to feel safe coming out and enjoying a beer or picking up growlers to go. Breweries are open and welcoming guests into a sense of normalcy through a great craft brew. While resilient, the beer industry isn't immune to the effects of service limitations and decreased foot traffic. They need your help to stay open and continue serving the craft beer they're famous for. If you're looking for ways to support your favorite local brewery, brewery merchandise, canned beers, or growlers and gift cards are wonderful gifts that also give back to the breweries. And who doesn't need some extra beer around the holidays? Hi, I'm Jeff Fox, founder of Star Fox Media. We're a digital marketing and video production company that focuses on serving small businesses here in Vista, California. We have the team and all of the equipment necessary to produce, film, edit, and distribute your podcast to as many people as possible. For more information, you can reach out to us via email at info at starfox.media or give us a call at 760-385-3117. Let Starfox Media help you tell your brand story today. Okay. Yeah. What age was that when you met Pastor Lynch? Man, I was 20... I want to say 23, 22, maybe. So you did a good job not having a child before that. Then. Yeah. Well, actually I had, you know, um, I got to go pregnant and she had a miscarriage. Okay. Wow. But it was like a celebration. Yeah. Mm. So everything's just backwards. Learning, everything's yeah. backwards. Yeah. You don't know sound like I was like, man, dodge that bullet. <laughs> wow. Like thanking God for the death mm. of a child. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But I didn't know no better. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, man. At some point, I understand you, you got into music. Yeah. So when I met the dudes at the church, um, they were like, yo, come through. Like, you know, I'm, I'm like the homie carrying the bags and taking pictures and I'm the roadie. Okay. You know what I'm saying? And for, I, for some musicians? Yeah, some, from, from some rappers, right? Okay. And so I'm like cutting hair. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm doing okay. whatever I can. You, you're I'm, putting in work. I'm though. putting in work, but I'm just the homie. So I'm like, yeah, man, cool. I ain't got no job. I ain't got nothing to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. let's, like, so but let's, were they traveling? They weren't really, they were traveling around here. Okay. Mm -hmm. But um, what happened was the dude was like, look, man, we need a DJ and you, you got like a nice taste in music. So once you try these turntables out, and I was like, I don't want to be a part of your band, but I'll do it until I find like, until I start school or something. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So um, he gave me like these $100 new Mark, it was like two turntables and a mixer. Mm -hmm. And it was like $100 for the whole set. So you know okay. it was trash. Uh -huh. Like it wasn't like you started. It was like, din, din, din. it was like, din, din, din. Right, right, you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I got nice. So did, um, did you have to get technical, replace the belts on the things or did you? Nah, I, I would eventually go on to buy my own technique turntables. Okay. 
But yeah. you got nice on those turntables? I got nice on, or at least learning how to mix records. You know what I'm saying? Like starting out DJing, like it's not like you start cutting, like you start off and you're just learning how to mix the records together and match up BPMs and stuff like that. Get it. So, um, you know, I was a Neo Soul cat. So we found, we, we were like, so the dude was rapping and I was the DJ, but the only places that were popping were the open mic circuits. So you have Elevated down in San Diego, um, and this other spot called freaking, I can't remember right now, but, uh, basically it was elevated and we go down there and we just kind of like hang out and chill. And then we do some poetry, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And sometimes like my, the MC would rap and I would be DJing behind him, mm-hmm. but I would be taking over for the turntables for whoever was doing that that night. And eventually yeah. I became the house DJ for the poetry spot. That's awesome. Yeah. So Aunt Black, Rudy Francisco, a lot of the popping poets that were birthed in San Diego all came out of that movement. And I was a part of like their little crew or whatever. That's great, man. Yeah. That's that's a good story. I could talk music all day. I, I was a disc jockey. I, okay. I wasn't a DJ. Okay, yeah. I, uh, but I was on the radio. You got the voice for it, 100%. I appreciate that, man. Uh, in the early 90s, 91 to 96 or so. Oh, shoot. Um, KSJS Radio. And Up I mean, in the Bay? Yeah. So you could just imagine San Jose State. Um, you could just imagine all the music that was coming out in the early 90s oh, and man. all the concerts that we threw. And Bro. we would travel all, you know, whether it was San Francisco to across country, we'd be at the How Can I Be Down, the Gavin Conventions yeah. and all of those. And Atlanta, Georgia, we would just be out there just um, just with all of those artists. And So you um, like interviewing like... The, the artists from those. From I was that. interviewing them. I was hosting parties. I was doing Man, all of that. Yeah. That's we sat down. I, I remember um, my first time meeting the Fugees and Lauren and and Biz Marquis DJing our party. He's a ill DJ if you know. Oh, yeah. That. I know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Of but course. There, there's a couple. Souls of Mischief came out of there. I mm-hmm. mean, I, you know, folks that were actually there, but. Like I said, I could talk music all day with you, man, um, because we really got down. And and then I worked for some record labels too. Yeah, you know, uh, AWOL Records and a couple records out uh, record labels out of the Bay Area, where you know carrying crates was a big deal, but yep. also calling up the small market, uh, um, you know, distributors and and trying to get you know some music put on some shelves. You yeah, know, yeah. I mean, it was a good time, man. Man, that, I mean, that's like that's the grind that I appreciated. Um, we, we started out like I was DJ and then I started to like rhyme and uh-huh. it wasn't whack. <laughs> you right. know what no, no, I've heard you. Yeah. I've so, heard you. so, so, so in early, like, you know, when I was kind of just starting, it wasn't bad. So I just mm-hmm. was like, cool, I'll try this. And then we entered this thing called the raucous 50 and raucous records yeah. back in the day. Yeah. They had like the top 50 artists of the next decade or whatever and we were like one of the selected 50 beautiful so it was kind of like oh we got a little bit of buzz you know we did some stuff with like um uh yeah some like you know like la symphony and like uh some some local you know people whatever and then we started like touring around a christian circuit so we had like this christian hip-hop thing we were traveling around and it was cool we made a little bit of buzz and then um i met my wife okay djing at point loma nazarene Right, university. She was DJ. I was DJ. <laughs> okay, so she was like just a part of like the Black Student Union. Mm-hmm. I'm DJing the step parties. I'm DJing the poetry stuff, and we met. You know, what I'm saying a couple years later we get engaged, get married. Another year later we have a kid. 2013, and then I'm like, oh shoot, like I can't be traveling around the country, like thinking that I'm making an impact when my child, you know what I'm saying, like needs me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when, um, this is like, we have our first child and we have our second child, 2014. And I'm like, oh, the biggest stage I'll ever stand on is in front of my my children, not in front of these people. You know what I'm saying? Man, you couldn't have said nothing better than that. Somebody asked me uh, once what was the best thing about being a father. And to me, and like I said, being on the radio, I've been in, on stage. I've, I've host. I've, I've held many microphones, right? Yeah, yeah. And had crowds cheering and all of that. But there is nothing like a child's cheer. Dang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nothing. I don't care how many thousands of people are out there. Yeah, man. That 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 pursuit of a child is is um, so real, genuine, innocent, and like necessary. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. Um, and anything from a stage almost feels like worship and glory for the wrong reasons. And mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. fills your ego and your pride to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I realized when I started competing with my friends and I started getting mad at their success that I was like, oh, this is unhealthy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, it got weird, man. Like I'm a, I'm a very like honest person, you know what I'm saying? So I'm gonna tell you like, man, I was really dealing with some heavy pride because I was like, man, I know I'm better than this dude on the mic performance. I don't care whatever it is. Yeah. Why is he getting any type of clout? But you're not jaded on, on the music. You're not jaded on hip hop. Are you? I mean, you, oh, you do understand the competition and, and the battles yeah. and all. Oh yeah. That. One yeah. Qu- like no question about it, but it's like, I am kind of, I, I have been jaded, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because a lot of relationships were so deep and tied into like I had a falling out with a with a, some you know some people that I thought were really close. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, um, once I started doing what I do now, I don't know when you guys we're gonna, gonna get to un- it unwrap that thing. Yeah, yeah. But um, <laughs> I realized that um, once I stopped serving the people I was working with and I needed their help, that I w- wasn't ever really their friend. I was more of their almost felt like a, their opportunity. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm. I'm extremely loyal. So like I'm a better number two than a number one. Right. So I'm a better like, hey, this is my partner right here. He's going to get the work done. I'm the pit bull that comes in and like, you know, move stuff out of the way. You know what I mean? Um, But uh, I needed I needed support. And it wasn't it wasn't available to me. You know what I'm saying? Like I just needed thoughts and ideas and I started to feel the jealousy and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and it was just like, oh, OK. So I got jaded. I got started to get mad at hip hop. No, mm-hmm. okay. it, it was like I needed things in order to make money. I had to sell my Versa for $50. So 16 mm-hmm. bars I had to sell it for like $50 to afford Pampers, mm-hmm. you know, and diapers and stuff like that. And it was one day my son had a, he had a venous malformation in his leg and he needed to get to surgery the next day. And I couldn't afford the gas to get to the freaking hospital. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So I'm like counting quarters and, you know, trying to, you know, get enough gas in the tank. And it just was like so embarrassing. And I just was like, man, like one way or another, I'm making it out of this. You know what I'm saying? And I I had to let everything go and just be like, all right, I'm not going to rely on anyone else for my sources of income. Like it's all on me. You know what uh-huh. I'm saying? And so that's when I started to realize that um, it's not about, uh, you know, music is not what I'm only capable of doing sure right so i'm a storyteller uh-huh uh-huh so the medium was music for a long time but if i change the medium i'm still a storyteller yes sir so that's why i changed the medium i had to make a pivot chimichurri kitchen company how it all began 
Grandma Guillermina Nina created this sauce in her own restaurant kitchen in 1967, Santa Fe, Argentina, and it instantly became a hit with patrons. They exclaimed how garlicky, tangy, and just plain delicious her version was, and luckily, it continues to be to this day. At our Chimichurri Kitchen Company, we continue in the legacy of creating sauces that only add immense flavor to any dish. The traditional classic chimichurri Nina created is made fresh with the finest ingredients, but only gets better with time as the flavors bolden on the shelf and your refrigerator. That is the true beauty of chimmy sauce, our little nickname for it. Try the classic or any of our other varieties of chimis created in our own chimichurri kitchen. Use it as a dip, cooking sauce, marinade, or steak sauce. It will add a pizzazz of flavor to just about any dish. This year, shop small and support local. Please visit our website, chimichurrikitchen.com, to purchase and change your culinary palate forever. You can also add us on Instagram and Facebook under Chimichurri Kitchen Company. Thank you so much for supporting local and small family-owned business. North County Daily Star is the leading source for news and community information. There are 650,000 residents along the 78 corridor in five unique cities that share the region, North County, San Diego. We work and play in these cities, so we are all interested in what happens in our common region. There is no cost to subscribe, and it is continuously updated. So look for us on your mobile device or computer at ncdailystar.com. It's funny because I was going to ask you about the entrepreneurial focus, right? But at the same time, um, you you didn't, you know, go scratching for quarters and say, let's go get a job. Let's go work for somebody. At some point, you just turned that into, I got to do something else, but I'm still going to do it for myself. Yeah. Well, it, <clears throat> that, that, that was quite the transition there because I was working a job. I was working on base handing out um, sleeping bags and gas masks to, to Marines and, and Navy personnel. Um, and I was like logistics there. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really good at it, but uh, you know, I could keep a job. So I was doing what I had to do. Mm-hmm. Once we got, once we had our second child, well, we got pregnant with our second child. My wife was like, yo, you should be a stay at home dad because the amount of money we finished uh, paying on child support, uh, child care, you, you ain't gonna have no money coming in. You know what I'm saying? Like we're going to use all your money basically for child care and you can make more money just doing music at the house. So I was like, I don't really like that idea. You know what I'm saying? It seems a little like, you know, what do stay at home moms do all day anyway? Yeah. <laughs> I played myself. Right, yeah. right, right. I played myself because it's a job within a job within a job with no light at the end of the tunnel. Your managers are complete douchebags. You know what I'm saying? Like your children basically are the ones you work for. You know what I'm saying? And so you're not just physically tired, you're emotionally tired mm. and drained. And it's just like, I never felt like this before. What's happening? Um, so once she, once I was in that role and being a stay-at-home dad and I got kind of comfortable and I'm like, man, this is fine. And my wife is like, all right, so uh, what, what's your five-year plan? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, whatever God has for us, right? Try to like take the cheap route. She doesn't want to hear that. Nah, she was like, peep this. We're laying in the bed, right? Just imagine, it's 11 o'clock at night laying in the bed and she's like, I trust you with my family and my future and you ain't got five years planned out mm-hmm. and rolled over and went to sleep. <laughs> oh. And I just was stuck mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. And so can I, can I transition now into the, let me do it. All right. 
we're going to do this big reveal here. Okay, so to this point, we've got to talk about the journey of young belief male. We've had the chance to witness a man with all of the right ingredients that will lead you to believe there should be a movie written about this man's life. If we take a few of those ingredients, what you've seen so far, the honesty, the intelligence, and the decisiveness, we can see that it would make very little sense for him to hold his enterprise to just one avenue. And that's where this conversation is headed. One hat won't be enough to put a crown on this king. We're going to take a tour through the entire millinery. From his YouTube class in fatherhood, to his many television appearances, to his clothing lines, social media presence, we've got plenty to cover. Someone willing to share selflessly a man whose business may or may not have his wife by his side at times, but unequivocally works for the benefit of his family. So now we get to meet the businessman, a one of a kind belief male. All right. One more time. (laughs) Continue your story, please. All right. So I, I, I go to my friend's house. I mean, I go to my friend's office and I'm like, bro, my wife asked me what my five year plan is. I don't know what it is. He's like, okay, cool. So what's your five-year plan? I said, dog, I just said, I don't know. (laughs) He said, okay, what's your 10-year plan? I said, I don't know. Fine, if I ain't got five. Right? He said, what's your 15-year plan? This dude is a genius. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I know for sure I don't want to be rapping. Talking about put your hands up in Minnesota. Like, I don't want to be doing that. Mm -hmm. So he's like, okay, what do you want to be doing? And I was like, I want to be telling people how great it is to be a dad. Uh I was like, Mm. okay, who are the people you want to speak to? I said, uh, I don't know right now if I, if they're 15 years from now, they're probably in middle school right now. He's like, okay, well, where, where are they? I said, they're in middle school. He said, no, where's their attention? I said, oh, it's on, it's on the internet. Yeah. It's like, what, what platforms? YouTube, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram. So, okay. So how often do you have to post on these platforms to grow within 15 years? I was like, well, I don't know. So we looked it up. You know, it was once a week on YouTube, once a day on Twitter, uh, you know, twice a week on Instagram, you know, and so on. And so he was like, okay, well, if we just work backwards, then in 15 years, you'll hit your goal, right? He's like, how much money do you want to make? I was like, $300,000. Okay, how do you want to make that money? So I'm going to be writing books and speaking. So that was in 2015. I started the YouTube channel. October 19th, 2015, right? I had that conversation May 2015. Mm-hmm. And so my plan was a 15-year plan. In two years, I had hit every goal I wanted to hit. Beautiful. Wow. Um, and that's including, like, writing my first children's book, speaking for TED, um, like, the goals that people, like, really, really, really are, like, lifelong goals. You know what I'm saying? So I'm realizing, like, you know, after I posted the second video, it went viral, and it didn't matter what anyone else said because people were asking me, why are you doing that? Like, you don't even know how to use a camera. Mind you, I didn't know how to use a camera, but I had broken iPhones in one GoPro 4. So I used the GoPro Hero 4 in the car in that broken iPhones where the cameras worked in the headrest. And I would film us driving, film us throughout the day, learning how to tell a story. I had this unfair advantage because I was doing music for so long that the beats were dope. And it was all my original music. And if I needed a song, I'd just write it real quick because I could write songs fast because yeah. I was doing music for 12 years. Yeah. So, um, man, like, I, 
after that first video went viral, it was kind of like, oh man, y'all really can't. I don't care what anyone else says if they don't believe in me. It's about manifesting stuff. And so everyone that kept asking me why, now everybody asked me how. And it's like, it's really hard to explain that. Mm-hmm. Well, people liked your energy. People liked what you were saying. Yeah, they liked what I was saying, but they also liked the fact that I wasn't sugarcoating it. And I was okay. talking about how frustrated I was as a father. Okay. Because I would post these videos on Instagram at first and people would be like, yeah, I've been through that. It'll get better. Um, I'm, I'm having a hard time, like, reminiscing about this. So I missed that stage with my child. Or, you know, he's upset. He's throwing a fit. That's normal. You know what I'm saying? And so we'd have this, like, this kinship with the audience. And I realized I'm direct to consumer here. Absolutely. And I was like, okay, man, maybe I'll, I don't know, I'll get an endorsement deal with a stroller company and then I'll, that's how I'll make money. New goals. Right. Okay. And then that turned into something way different. So fatherhood is essentially the the prevalent theme in all of your endeavors. You know, it you started out with this YouTube and going on to the social media, but now that with all the other things that you have going on, fatherhood is the idea, is the theme, is what you tell people about and inspire people about. Um, so, you know, you're talking about that on your YouTube and then we have the good father season, you know, how do What's the connection with everything? You know, how do you keep that theme into everything? Yeah, well, father is fairly simple. Um, it's the most like slept on role ever. You know what I mean? Um, like dads be getting blamed for all types of stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, and sometimes we be missing a mark, but like it's a lot more grace to moms. Right. And I don't think people really ever understood what their dad was thinking. So I kind of like pull back the role. The I don't know what it's called whatever curtain. I pull the curtain. Right. And just be like, yo, um, this is what I'm thinking as a father. This is why I'm disciplining this way. And this is what I'm hope out, hoping the outcome will be. I'm not saying that I'm a good father. I'm saying I'm becoming a good father. Right. Because I won't know if I'm a good father until I'm, my kids are 30 and they're like, man, you did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. everybody wants to kill it now and tell people what the right thing to do is now. Like you don't know what the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You're right. It just depends on each child. You got to raise them all differently. You know? So um, the good father season is the season we're in right now. And basically I'm taking time to go deep diving into each relationship with my child, my children. I have four children and each kid gets about three or four episodes. I'm just kind of focusing on that one relationship. Um, and it, it's this straight up story arc, right? So there's uh, an intention, an obstacle and a solution. Um, there's always an intention for me to be the best father I can be. But there's something in that relationship that is interrupting that. What, you know what I mean? I can't get there because of whatever, you know, with my youngest son, it's uh, his skin issues. He has really bad skin issues, eczema and all this stuff. Uh, he stays up throughout the night. It's hard for me to be a working father and execute well when I'm not getting any sleep because I'm staying up with him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we found a solution for the skin thing. You know what I mean? But really, it's about not getting over like it's not it's about being OK with spoiling him. You know what I'm saying? He needs the extra affection. He's the last kid, potentially. So he gets a little bit extra love, you know, um, it's about, you know, my daughter being the only girl also being the first child I didn't raise primarily. My, my wife stayed home after she had our, well, when she got pregnant with our daughter in her mind, she said, I'm not going back to work, but she didn't tell me <laughs> she's a math teacher. You know what I'm saying? Like, okay, we had healthcare, all that was gone and it was on me. Mm-hmm. And so um, there was a little bit of an abandonment, abandonment there from her with me and her and her, my wife's relationship. But my daughter was the first person that I had, like, I was not the one that was like controlling everything. You know what I mean? So there's, there's attitude, there's issues with my daughter 
that I can't actually be the solution for because I didn't, I didn't raise it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So my wife, I have to be okay letting go of the steering wheel and let my wife lead in that relationship. For sometimes. now. For now. For now. It, like you said, I mean, you're talking about 30 year old, you know, it does, the project is still happening. Yes. You, you're not at the product yet. You're still a part of her life and you, and you can make, yeah, yeah, make a difference. I definitely can make a difference, <clears throat> but um, I be getting played, man. I hear you. You know what I'm saying? Like, daughters will play you. You know what I mean? You have one. I do. <laughs> so, um, I tell my stories. I'm waiting to let you tell yours. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I get finessed on it daily. You okay. know what I'm saying? And like my sons, they respect me in like this almost kind of like, man, I don't feel like pissing this dude off. You know what I'm saying? Okay. My daughter's like, well, you know, you didn't give me any love. So why should I listen to you mm. mm-hmm. at three? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know why you should. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. You know what I'm saying? But it's that's uh it's just difference between like my, my son's being like, listen, man, I, I already told you once, do you have a problem with my voice? Are you not listening to me? Help me understand why you don't care about listening to me. Mm-hmm. And my daughter say, I, I care about you. I just don't want to listen to you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like I prefer to hear it from mom. Yeah. Well, you say, I mean, you, you, you got to raise them all differently anyway, right? Yes. You, you already said that. Like, no two children are the same, even though they got two of the same parents. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, that, that psychologist meant the, the ability to, to read each and every one of them and be able to mow with, roll with each of them. That's fun. I mean, for me. But I only got two. So were you raised that way? Uh, no. Yeah. No, my, right. uh, my sister and I were pretty much treated the same at all times. Right. Because you had to adjust to your parents. Yeah. Right. She's three years younger than me. So she might've been babied a little bit, but it wasn't, uh, it didn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> it, it, right. Yeah. Yeah. They, they weren't treating anybody any differently. It was just that she was a girl and she was the, you know, the youngest and, you know, but, um, no, we, we were pretty much raised the exact same way. Right. Yeah. That's how it goes. That's how it, would, it is for me, too. Uh-huh. Like we have to adjust to our parents. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And like, I just think about like the way God looks at us. Like he knows everything about us. Mm-hmm. So he's no way he's going to treat me like he treats every single person. Like right. he gives us what we can bear. Yeah. So like I just know that being a father, becoming a good father is like my only goal in life. I heard you know, that. But besides being a good husband as well. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But if I'm a good husband. Like me being a good father is also me being a good husband. You know what I'm saying? Because I am, you know, um, pursuing my wife in a way that complements my fatherhood, my, the way I, the way I parent. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So even in my forgiveness of the things that we go through sure. and how we discuss our issues, I know that my children are watching. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a better it's a better form of accountability. You know what I mean? When you're doing it for your children, you know. Um, or while your children watch. You it know. works good in, in everything, you know, whether it's the relationship, but also um, really the way, like when I talk about fatherhood as a priority, being the best parent or my kids being my priority, even when I'm sitting at my desk working, I'm thinking about them. <sighs> Come you know, on now. When I'm, every single thing that I'm doing, when I get behind the wheel in the car, I'm thinking, how will this drive from this place to that place be best for my kids? Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know? exactly. Um, that that's just the way that I approach life, and and not everybody is a is a kid's first parent. That's for sure. Well, I yeah, I, I, I that's the crazy thing too, man. That's what's jacking me up with entrepreneurship. 
because uh, I love like being able to provide for my family, mm-hmm. but balancing everything like yep. work life balance is just a joke. Mm-hmm. right now you know what i'm saying it's like a cruel like <laughs> are you kidding me you want to balance you know what i'm saying like i could juggle like uh-huh. what when i could catch something when it's falling mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. like i could hold on to it and throw it back up in the air mm-hmm. but i'm juggling i'm not balancing well mm-hmm. you know that's not something i'm not Ooh, it's bad is it right? a new goal i mean you see the logo right this is talking i mean that's kind of what we're all about it's the balance of business and pleasure uh, and not necessarily pleasure, but but I, I like that you brought that up, that work life balance. And, and for you, you're not seeing it. Well, I mean, here's the thing, man. Like I. I <laughs> I started something and I didn't know how to, uh, you know, do it well. Right. Because there is not a lot of examples of like YouTubers, family YouTubers succeeding well. OK. Right? A lot of these people are like cheating on each other and you know doing it for clout or like exploiting their children you know what i'm saying okay hey johnny say this or you won't get any candy or if Mm. you do i'll give you candy or you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. it's a lot of manipulation going on so i'm not trying to like because i know that if i wanted to make a lot of money i could put both of my children in front of uh you know a camera and open up toys every day seven toys it you know i could budget it out seven toys under $20. Like I could, I could make, I could finesse it, but we go viral and we get the numbers we wanted to make, but that's not what I'm trying to do here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm trying to build a legacy and really equip other fathers. Right. So, um, the priority is there, the, the priority is there, but it comes from like this, this past hurt, which is crazy. About to get deep. Ready? Let's do it. All right. So the reason why, I'm so passionate about fatherhood is because I, I know my father never really knew how valuable his position was. And the reason why my father didn't know is because his father didn't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Because his father chose himself over his family at times. OK. Right? So instead of holding my father accountable and holding his feet to the fire, I've decided to become the example of fatherhood that my father needed to see. Also, the example that my children need to see and every other father that looks at me. Mm-hmm. So now I'm carrying generational burden yeah on the back of this youtube thing Mm -hmm. which has just been revealed to me through therapy this summer you know what i'm saying so it's like oh my gosh like i'm trying to provide for my present provide for my future right i'm trying to be present and i'm trying to heal my past all while doing this work and i don't even have time to check in with myself Mm -hmm. like and i've been so consumed with work i don't even know what i enjoy so Mm -hmm. one of the things that people have been telling me you need to take time off you need to figure out something to do that doesn't have anything to do with work and just do it. But I don't have time to even get to know myself. So I tried. I took two days off. I went to uh, Kate Ray, the little, uh, you know, hotel down off in Carlsbad. Okay. S- sat there for two days and just slept. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> My wife was like, you just, what did you do? I was like, man, I slept so long I got a headache. I was like, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> and she's like. You got to figure out how to take a vacation. You got to, you're not doing it right. And I'm just like, I don't know how to rest. Yeah. And the reason is because I have four children. You know what I mean? I have a wife. We just bought a new home, right? It's not, it's not cheap. This place, you know, it's not, sure. it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. I also have four employees, mm-hmm. I about three or four contractors that work for us. And we work with a lot of different companies. Everything is on me. Mm-hmm. It's on my shoulders. Yeah. So um, when you see me out here, 
you know, all I could do is give you a yeah, yeah, yeah. a peace sign. Just yeah, know yeah. that's no, I you know oh, what I'm saying? Like and so I'm I'm more concerned like understanding that the good father season is going to come to an end and I need to focus on my own mental health mm -hmm. because if I lose it all, right, there's, there's not going to be a father to, to, to help. Yo, is it another ad from Belief? Of course it is. I have a YouTube channel called Belief in Fatherhood where we equip fathers, give hope to mothers and inspire children. And I promise you, you will not be disappointed if you check it out. Belief in Fatherhood on YouTube. You need insurance, and you need yourinsuranceplace.com as your brokers. And I'll tell you why. They have access to hundreds of carriers, and we're never left without results. Not even the hard-to-place risks. A good insurance broker is a problem solver. Our team is dedicated to getting you covered. Take time to shop with yourinsuranceplace.com. Save money. Get protected. Yourinsuranceplace.com um yeah you'll man get there. you'll yeah. get there mm -hmm. yeah. you'll get there because um you know my dad started this business back in 1977 mm -hmm. right uh he went to law school during the time of building the business too mm -hmm. like you know there, there's so much involved in raising a family and you know having your own we want to inspire these entrepreneurs but we do want them to understand the difficulties that comes with that so i'm really happy that you brought that up about the work-life balance in that it is hard to find at times, yeah. right? Um, it's on your back if things fail. At the same time, there should be a little bit of freedom there over time that you can make for yourself. Yes, and, and so that's the, so the plan is, right? So like my wife is like, yo, I need you to be home more. I'm okay. like, I, mm. I hear what you're saying, right? <clears throat> but I also know what you want. So are you telling me to forget about what you want so I can be home more? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. She's like, I just feel like you can manage your time better. Okay. But you don't know that because you're not in my shoes. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. She don't know how long it takes yeah. to edit a video. Don't cut off your nose. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, she doesn't know how long it takes to color grade. She doesn't know what the conversations I'm, she doesn't know. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So I'm kind of like, okay, cool. Well, this is what I have on my plate. This is what I'm dealing with. And I, I try to communicate that to her. Um, and she, for the most part, she understands that she doesn't understand, which is giving me a lot of like, you know, kind of like leeway. But there is this whole other thing where um, I know that in order for me to get the time I want, we have to own our own sources of revenue, which we do not right now. Most of our sources of revenue come from sponsored content. Sure. So the relationships I have with these brands and the people that I work with, these companies, they fund us. Right. What I'm working toward is uh, the e-course, you know, um, which is the art of fatherhood, you know, which is teaching men how to transition into fatherhood and care for their spouses, their partners while they're pregnant. I know that when men are about to have a baby, they freak out. Yo, what do I do? Man, it's a lot. Uh, she mad. She sad. She crying. What, when is this over? You know what I'm saying? And I walk them through all the way through the fourth trimester after the baby's born for the first three months, you know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, and try to help them like, hey man, care for yourself, take care of yourself, da da da. So we're working on that e-course, which is a direct source of revenue for us. Okay. Okay. That's the goal. Because that means I can be making money while I'm at home. Right now, everything I do, like every time I work, that's when the money's made. Mm -hmm. There's no, there's a little bit of residual income, but not enough to live off of. Yeah. So until we even out that plane to our sponsored content, 
and our our own assets are equal, then we can't. We I have to be full. I have to be full speed. Mm-hmm. Your sister and I talked a little bit. I, I, I want to get back into the the uh, demons of social media, though. At, at some point, I like that you brought that up a little bit. Okay, but um, she mentioned the dad's movie. This was something that happened yeah. before uh, COVID hit, and and the theaters closed. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So um, Bryce Dallas Howard, who is Ron Howard's daughter. She is, um, you know, directed The Mandalorian. She um, was in Jurassic World. Uh, she the help. She's in tons of different films. Okay. She did, this is her first film that she directed. Yeah. Um, and it's called Dads. And it basically she talked about when she became a mother. Like instinctually, she thought she was supposed to be like, uh, have all these like, uh, like this um, nurturing side would take over her. And but her her husband was the one who was actually the better nurturer. And she was like. Why is like this thing never talked about, about dads? So she started to pursue this theme and she remembered that her father's an amazing father. And then her brother was about to have a baby. And then she was like, well, we want to make a documentary, but we need to find some dads to kind of lead the stories along. So she had these hero dads and I'm, I'm one of the hero dads. It's me. It's, it's like other five other men. We're all like doing well. These guys are all amazing. And then in between those stories is like Will Smith, um, Neil Patrick Harris, um, uh, Pat Oswalt, Conan O'Brien, Jimmy Kimmel, Jimmy Fallon, like a lot of these comedians are kind of telling their experience with fatherhood. And uh, that's the dad's movie. It came out um, in June for Father's Day and it got like 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. It did very, wow. very well. Mm. Um, and Dove Men Plus Care is a company that helped fund that. And so I've been a partner with Dove Men Plus Care for the past year. Um, and they're an amazing company. Um, and we did this thing called Fatherhood Taken. Uh, sorry, Fathers Taken, which is an effort to um, give support families who have fathers who were taken by police brutality. Um, mm. And they donated like one million dollars and they allowed people to donate as well um, to, you know, these families. And they're really trying to, uh, you know, help with changing the narrative for fathers and all that type of stuff. So I've been doing a lot of work with them. But the dad's movie was like one of those opportunities. I was kind of like, man, I don't know if this is real. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it turned out to be real because I come from music. Everyone's like, yeah, my, my cousin Stevie Wonder, I can get you his music. And then, you know what I'm saying? You guys could get a record deal. You know what I mean? And I'm like, I don't like those type of promises. I work myself. How much time is this going to cost me? And that's when I asked, told Bryce. She's like, yo, <laughs> we want to use you for this film. It's a feature film. Do you have time? I was like, I don't know. I got to check my schedule. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I was like, but that's just me being being me sometimes. Yeah. But it was an g- amazing opportunity. So they they coerced you. They got you in. Well, they didn't coerce me. They definitely um, they definitely were um, very respectful and they were genuine. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like Bryce Dallas Howard is one of the sweetest people I've ever come across. That's great. She is an amazing human. Well, I grew up on Ron Howard. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 No, no, I'm not I'm not that old. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, happy days. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay, so monetizing. How do you protect your creativity, protect your product? Uh, I think the the thing is with people on social media, you mean? Yeah. Um people think that they need to be something that they're not in order to uh do well on social media, right? Okay. And authenticity is really what births freedom. Mm-hmm. So the more authentic you are, uh, the more, you know, you have a right to be yourself and the more brands are not going to have to try to figure you out before they work with you. They can't steal you from you. Oh, man. You know, because you can be manipulated and, you know, turn into whatever for the brand, but your people aren't going to be receptive to it, you mm-hmm. know. And so um, 
it's you got to realize that they want you because you're connected to your people. So be more focused on your people than you are the brands. Okay. That, that's going to help. Well, like and that. the honesty is clear. You know, when I was looking at your website and it's just your family being your family, there, there's no setup. There's no like holding treats or toys out for them to behave. It, it's just a wholesome love family. Yeah. It's, it's nice to look at. It. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people don't know what black people do. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like sure. they don't they don't know like that we like tre- how we treat our family or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember like when I start first started doing this and like this guy in my church was like, thank you so much for giving us a window in. I was like, well, what you think I, we was doing? You know what I'm saying? Like, we've been going to church together for years. Um, one of the one of the interesting things, though, is that like each of my children are they they are themselves. So the oldest is cautious. You know, he's a classic older older child, cautious, like really wants to approve to his father, right? So sometimes he won't want to be on video, but because he knows I'm working, he'll think that's what I want and do it anyway. But mm-hmm. I have to remind him, hey man, like I need to give get consent from you before you step on camera. Do you want to be a part of this? You do not have to be a part of this you if you don't want to. to. Right. You know, the second oldest wild child, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, he, you know, like if, if you're eating a quesadilla, right, and it's a circle, he folds that joint in half and bites the middle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, like, okay. like he's, you know, um, you know, Kit Kats, you take him apart, he bites the whole thing. Like he's just, yeah, yeah, beats, yeah. walks to a different drum. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah. Um, but he is himself, right? Yeah. And I realize that sometimes that's annoying. That's star power, though, too. It's star power, right? Yeah. He's like the Steve Urkel of the crew, yeah. right? Um, but it's sometimes like a lot of things he does. I'm like, like, bro, what are you thinking? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I realize that those things may be a part of his genius. You know what sure. I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I can be limiting by my preference. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you have my daughter, right? Who's just a princess, right? Who's very like. I am beautiful, strong, and I'm, I'm, my everyone loves me. You know what I'm saying? Like she says those type of things about herself. Love it. Very, very affirming. Um, and then the baby is the baby. You yeah. know, everyone spoils them. You know, but yeah. each of these people, we are ourselves. And you know what I mean? And together, um, you know, we are we are family, and family is the foundation, right? So family is foundation. It could be a good foundation, a bad foundation, but it is the foundation for a human. So how your family treats you. How you um, like see family, like it will show you where you're going. You know what I'm saying? And where you end up could possibly be like how you are connected to the people in your family. Mm. Um, I always say like black joy is magic. Right. Mm-hmm. So like honest, like watching my kids maintain their innocence and run with true smiles. Yeah. Is that's a magical thing. Sure. And I've had to burst their bubble recently by telling them about America about where we live, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? About what happens when they step outside and say, hey, if this person approaches you, I don't want you speaking to them, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And that type of honesty robs them of their innocence, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And so uh, it, my wife wept when we had to have, have this conversation because she knew what it meant, yeah. you know? And it's just something that I don't think everyone else has to deal with, right? But being able, <clears throat> To know those truths, right, and still pursue joy, like that right there is magic. Sure. And without trying to, um, you know, get revenge, <laughs> you know what I'm Especially saying? Especially as you get older. Right. Right? It, like, you know, because the, the youth, they may still be able to find the happiness, know how to play, skip rope, and have that yeah. kind of fun. But as you get older and you start to see, my parents were right. Oh, I can feel this. Yeah. You know, I can feel that pain. And, you know, 
uh, and not trying to get revenge. I, I get what you're saying right mm-hmm. there. Sure. Yeah. And it's like I, I it's it, it takes me back to that place when I when I just said like Baltimore, like stay out of trouble. I'm keeping my head down. I'm out of the way. Yeah. It's like, nah, man, you got a right to do whatever you want. This yeah. is your land too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, don't feel like you got to, don't feel like that. It is hard. It's so hard to fight it. Yeah. But like, I think success for me as a black man is knowing that my children smiles can be honest and genuine. You know what I mean? Like we're getting closer to them being free from, you know, a lot of the stuff we dealt with. And a part of like, why I even started doing what I'm doing is to show people like, man, we out here. Yeah. And there are really good fathers. I told my wife, this is the sad part is that like I told my wife, I was like, yo, in order for people to really believe this, someone like me is going to have to die for people to believe it. To believe what? Like that. Well, he wasn't doing anything wrong. Yeah. Like we know him. Like, yeah. well, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's it, you know, it's some people who, you know, things happen to or whatever. It's like, but when it happens to like a black man that everyone knows, like a Will Smith. Yeah. It's kind of like, whoa, whoa, yeah, wait yeah, a minute. Wait, yeah. You're yeah. starting to step into my source of entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? America. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. going to have to do something about this. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. He was like us. He was like us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like. It's also just important to open up the conversation. Talk about it and more important listen to it you yes. know sit down and listen to somebody's story and listen to what they're going through so because i mean like someone like me i'm not going to feel the same way i need to listen yeah to hear you know mm-hmm. so yeah. but you've been listening though you wouldn't oh, be I've here if you want to go listen this whole time <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's and that's interesting too like we like i'm now realizing because when i first started i was like all right i'm gonna be the dad guy and i'm not gonna be <laughs> Just the black dad guy, but all dads. Yeah. And black people were like, Mm-mm. <laughs> we need you over here, bro. Uh-huh. Like we need to see a black man being black and okay. proud about his blackness, mm-hmm. like loud. Okay. You know what I mean? And so that was something I had to make that decision. You know what What's I'm saying? The decision? So, okay. The decision is, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like as long as I remain, cause like I, like black people need to see black men be sure. your father. No you know doubt. what I'm saying? No doubt. Like white people need to see it too, but because you know what I'm saying? Um, black people need to see it. Like they should be the ones that have an input on how you maneuver. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it wasn't so much that um, like white people weren't going to take to me or anything like that, but it was like, yo, like you need to be proof. Right. And there's not enough proof like, just like I didn't see enough proof. Like, remember I told you there's only one husband and wife in my exactly. apartment sure. complex. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, black people need to see that. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, if white people gravitate towards it, cool. But who do I make content for? Like, I make content for black people. Okay. You know what I mean? And that's why, like, I don't get upset when uh, Tommy Hilfiger, like, yeah, we make clothes for white people. Like, you know your demographic? Yeah. I know my demographic. Right. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And let's talk about the How Married Are You podcast. You got Ooh, a 10 yeah. year anniversary. Yeah, 10, 10 year anniversary. We've been married 10 years. Mm-hmm. We've been doing a podcast for like three, okay. two, two or three years. Um, how Married Are You, man? Um, probably the most authentic conversation about marriage that I've. My wife and I really don't talk, right? Outside of the podcast. We never really talked like that. So we, we converse, but she's not a deep talker, she's a writer. So when I was trying to converse with her, it would be very hard because I'm like, 
what do you think about, you know, um, you know, arguments and you know what I'm saying? Or like, uh, what do you think about, uh, the social economics of the black, you know, community? She uh -huh. would be like, I don't want to talk about that. I'm trying to watch, uh, Grey's Anatomy. You know what uh -huh. I'm saying? Uh -huh. Like, I don't want to talk about that. And she, so she said she'll write you an email about it. Later. Yeah. Right. <laughs> she write it in the journal and have me read it. Like, I don't want to read, <laughs> give me homework. So, um, she would, so we basically would start to have these conversations and, um, on camera and um, on the podcast and we get to know a lot about each other. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's a really cool podcast. I'm not sure how long it's going to continue. Right. Or if we're going to take a break or not, um, because it's like, we're, you know, my wife and I are going through a rough time in our marriage right now. You know okay. what I'm saying? Where we're really trying to see each other, find each other, and we can't really get on the same wavelength. And so this thing that causes us to work together and have to put our issues aside, we'll end up having an argument on the show. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That we don't settle because right after the show is over, we got to go back into doing our own separate things. You yeah. know? So we don't have a, a place to kind of come back. So, And that's the difficulty about living out loud. I really enjoy the podcast personally. And I, and I told your wife that too, when yeah. I, when I first met her. And um, so, but you know, you got to take a break, you got to take a break, but it, it is, it's, and, and there's an archive of conversations that I think are really informative. Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people could learn from those conversations. I think they're great. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think it's, it's the honesty. I was going to ask you how important it is to share and receive information from peers, uh, when, you know, you're in so much of a tight circle, right? The, mm -hmm. the, the way you operate, the businesses that you're running, there's still a tight circle with all of that, where a lot of folks do need big community in order to operate their business. And I was going to ask you, how is that for you? But, I could use a big community. Okay. I, I just, I'm not used to it. These are all things that I'm, I'm learning on the fly. Yeah. So this is the part of the entrepreneurship that is like, I'm better at a number two than I am at a number one. Mm -hmm. Because in order for me to like, really experience the fullness of who I am as a father mm -hmm. embraces community. Yeah. Right. And I'm a pillar in the community, but sometimes I'm like, Oh, I'm not willing to sacrifice all my time for these people. Yeah. Because I know that if I'm sacrificing my time, I'm also taking food out of my children's mouth. So it's just that, that balance of like, what's most important. So my wife, you know, we've, you know, we came to the conclusion that she's more of a people pleaser. Right. So she would see me as a part of her network of giving to someone else. So when we first got married, she'd be like, oh my gosh, you're getting married. Oh, my husband's a DJ. He'll DJ your wedding. It'll be our oh, gift. Yeah, 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 and yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate DJing. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to do that. Why yeah. would you do that? I would never, you know what I'm saying? I don't want to be volunteer for anything. Oh my gosh. Anyway, anything. Oh, that's an assault. That's an assault on me. Let's yeah. do it. Let's take it back to school. All right, settle down, people. We've got a lot to cover and time is short. Yep. Uh, so back to school, um, people, you know, go to school to become business people. I want to know what they teach you in the classroom. Is it prevalent to the real life? Um, so here I'm talking, you know, image is everything. You've got a really strong image. You know, I, I look at your website. I look at your social media. I know exactly where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. um, but with so much going on, what are the keys to sticking to that image? You know, what, what path do you follow saying, no, I know how I'm going to post this without it, or, or I'm not going to post this because it's not my image. I went through a um, rebrand with a company called Thread and Point. My, my buddy Jason um, Sue went through uh, building a story brand, Donald Miller. He went through like his course. And this is a genius. This guy is on some whole other stuff. You know what I mean? So Donald Miller basically taught this guy how to be a guide for stories, right? Marketers aren't necessarily uh, 
great marketers. They're just really good storytellers. The best marketers are really good storytellers. So he taught me how to tell my story. He helped me every, do everything. So I know exactly who I am based on the brand book that I received through this company by going through this, you know, grueling sense of uh, interview and, and, and auditing for my company. Um, so uh, I know that my main objective is to uh, equip fathers because they're, the lack of family creates despair, right? Family is the most important unit on earth. The lack of family creates despair. Um, we want to teach equip men to love and lead their families until eternity. As long as I'm telling great stories about fatherhood, I'm doing my job. That's it. Okay. That's the only thing I have to do. Um, and so there's leeway. I can talk about it from a serious standpoint, from funny. I can um, do a fatherhood breakdown, which is where I break down moments in fatherhood and make it kind of funny and cute. Um, I can dance. I can pray. I can do whatever I want as long as I'm telling people how to, as long as I'm equipping fathers, right? Inspiring men mm -hmm. um, is what I'm doing. And so it's really easy when you have already gone through that work. Now, that was a huge investment. That was $15,000. I didn't have that. I, I never spent that much money ever. You know what I'm saying? I'm sure it's way more expensive now, but that's what it cost me. And, um, but from that, we got a logo. Um, I know who I am as a company. Uh, we got a wireframe for our website. And I know what the end goal is. I know that, when I die, I want to see more men in the present father line than in the deadbeat line. And that is the only objective I have. Everything that happens between then and now, it's all a blessing, you know? Beautiful. Tell us on the way out, though. I want to um, just hear about what you got going on, what you're working on. Yeah. And um, let's, let's talk about um, any, anything that you want to talk about and get off the chest before we get out of here. Yeah. So, man. By the grace of God, we have our new client is Target. So we will be working with Target for the next five months and possibly further on. Um, they are, you know, Target is like, you know, it's the big boy brand. You know what I mean? Like everybody loves Target. Everybody goes to Target and they really like our Even family. if you can't find a girlfriend at a young Even age. Even if you can't find a girlfriend. But, <laughs> but hey, but the reason I was in Walmart is because of the type of women I was looking for. Yeah, right? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like. Yeah. <laughs> No disrespect to people who shop at Walmart. I'm just playing. I'm Real sorry, ones are going to understand what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, Target, um, you could probably find a wife at Target. You might find a girlfriend <laughs> at Walmart. All right. We're going to keep it like that. So um, Target, man, we're working with them. They have, uh, we have some really cool content coming out. Um, I have a really great team. Uh, George Coltrane is, is running. Uh, he's the head of our production. We just hired Jed, um, who does uh, photo and video editing and stuff like that. Um, and then Dallas, uh, you met her. She's an amazing assistant and soon to be greater things. She's bar none, the best person, uh, uh, you know, to have by my side, you know, while I'm doing this. Right. Um, but yeah, working with target, um, working on our e-course, um, you know, and just really just trying to be consistent and finish out the good father season and start to walk into my mental health, which is probably the most needed journey I need to take. Beautiful. And hopefully people can, uh, you know, stick around for that. But, uh, yeah, I really care about, uh, men. Like, I feel like dudes are just slept on, you know what I mean? And we're just kind of like, he'll figure it out or he's strong enough. And like a lot of guys are not doing well and you're playing yourself. If you think your husband is strong enough to take care of himself, you know what I mean? And, um, I don't know. I don't, I, I'm not saying that I need to be taken care of, you know what I mean? But I don't need, um, like to like be assumed that I'm all right. 
You know what I'm saying? That's right. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, man, y'all think I'm good. I'm not. And I keep telling, I keep t- saying it. Like, we need to really think about mental health as far as men are concerned because, you know, like, most of the suicides are by men. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a lot. But anyway, yeah, check on the homies for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. And we really appreciate you being here. And um, we want to see you for years to come, man. Yeah, man. And we want to see you keep doing what you're doing. You are inspiring. Uh, you're awesome at what you do. And you're putting out the type of content that uh, we could use, you yeah. know, that, that that we all could use and we all can, you know, take a look at and, and learn from. So, um, and and God bless your family, man. Because you got it, a beautiful family. Huh, you thank know, you. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I almost went into uh, the song podcast. What it is right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm on your That's Instagram. A, I'm on your Instagram. Let's get that contact info out there. If you would like to find Belief Mel, you can check out his website www.beliefinfatherhood.com. He's on YouTube, Belief in Fatherhood, Twitter and Instagram at Belief Mel, and Facebook, Belief in Fatherhood. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you guys so much, man. I appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to the Same Business, Different Day podcast. Happy New Year! Special thanks to Star Fox Media for video production and James Russell for music production. Please like and subscribe to Same Business, Different Day on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. We've got a lot of new episodes with amazing guests coming in 2021. Keep listening and Happy New Year, everyone! I don't know about you, but when I woke up this morning, I thought today would be a great day. I mean, yesterday was fine, but today I had joy. And you probably don't know that you have stolen it from me. You robbed me of my joy as the influx of information bombarded me. Your guilt, your thoughts, your ignorance, Dripped on my timeline like an IV filled with poison. And I tried to stop the consumption. But as soon as I got to work, I got hit with the same thing. My joy, my black joy disappeared. Now you see me, now you don't. I wish I could be as elusive as black joy. But I'm forever caught off guard. Why you think off beats, missing the timing. You may think your thoughts are weightless, but they're actually heavy. Have you ever been given something heavy when you weren't expecting it? It can make your knees buckle, make you short of breath. Timing is everything. I didn't even know I needed the time to grieve. Not till I was alone. I felt free. Then abracadabra, you introduced me to my nightmares to make conversation. I've came to the conclusion that black joy is magic. At the end of the day, what you got, they can't have it.